The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Lots to cover on the podcast tonight. Oh, yes. We should yes. talk about our pilgrimage trip briefly because we are going. It's getting pretty cool, getting exciting. Yep, yep. We've got some Tesla news. We've got two really cool car debates, one from Rob in Maine and one from uh, Ryan coming up in Manhattan, actually talking about Manhattan commuting. So that'll be interesting as well. Right, right. Well, it's actually been a while since you and I have debated, I mean, gotten right into something here. True. Because of our podcast number 200. Yeah, that was all any questions. Non-automotive question there. Mm-hmm. And then before that, we were talking about... The cars at price yeah, points. Exactly. That was, that was exactly a monster right. podcast. I'm surprised it didn't take us four hours, but it was very fun. We hope you enjoyed those guys. Well, we saw a headline here in the news that's piqued our interest specifically about Tesla cars. Mm-hmm. And it said that they're apparently about to become more expensive to insure. I'm wondering how many of you out there are in your Tesla right now listening to the podcast. Yeah. If that's the case, we read this on CNET.com that has It's a lot of places today, yeah. It is. The one, uh, the one that we're looking at here is, um, like I said, on CNET, they've syndicated and uh, compiled a lot of information from various insurance mm-hmm. companies. Mm-hmm. Of course, Tesla has pushed back. They've issued a statement saying... This is a flawed test. This is yeah. not right. That's the part of this You're is interesting to me. comparing to the wrong cars. That's the part of this is interesting this to me. Stuff. I mean, Forbes has got it. A lot of places have got it. I mean, the short version is AAA has said they're going to increase rates as much as 30% across the board wow. for wow. Teslas. And they're looking at the numbers of the Model S and the Model X and talking about the number of incidents, meaning the number of times there's an insurance claim, mm-hmm. which, by the way, doesn't mean catastrophic wreck. It just means the number of times right. you called your insurance company right. and said, I need this fixed. And that can cross-reference with the amount of cost to get the cars fixed. This is the reason they're, ad- they're wanting to increase the rates. What I find fascinating is the marketing bait-and-switch logic of the Tesla response. Okay, you're you're referring to their statement here. Yes, yes, very specifically because we we know we know these cars are safe. Yes, yeah. Okay, we we know this. It, mm-hmm. This isn't a this AAA is not making this recommendation because of safety of the cars. But there's a couple things in the logic of Tesla's statement here that I think you're actually trying to spin this away from the discussion. Sure. I mean, this is based on the Highway Loss Data Institute, who is claiming the Model S has 46% more claims than this segment average. Mm-hmm. Well, there's not a whole lot in the Tesla Model S segment, nor is there a whole lot of other competitors in but this I'm, segment. But I'm guessing it probably means, I mean, who knows how they judge the segment, and maybe that's part of the problem here, but that sure. probably means more sure. than like A8s and 7 Series and those kind Could of things. Could be, just because of the price, the but, price category that it's in. But insurers, by and large, the whole whole reality of insurance is just math. It's gamble math. It's if your car, yeah. this is why some <laughs> yeah, is. some cars that are low power but all driven by teenagers have high insurance rates. They're not expensive to fix. It's just they keep getting crashed. Right. So right. this is the number of times that Model S or Model X owners are calling their insurance company and going, I need a claim, and the amount of cost it is to fix it. That's why the rates are being increased. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the safety of these cars. Right. Nothing at all to do with that. Right. What's interesting is that Tesla is – frustrated because they're getting compared to cars like a Volvo wagon. And then they go in. This is the first bait and switch in my mind. They say the Model S is the fastest zero to 60 time of any production car. And the Model X is the fastest SUV. Shouldn't we compare it to like stuff? Okay, Tesla, you want to compare it to like stuff? (laughs) Do you want to be insured at the same rate as the supercars that are doing your zero to 60 times? Because that's what you're saying. 
It kind of is, and their statement also says that they expect the Model X to receive the best score for any SUV ever tested. In terms of the National Highway Traffic Safety Association, they've claimed that. They haven't actually tested the car up to this point. Their marketing is spinning it Mm -hmm. as, this is going to be another safe one, guys, so no problems there. But this isn't a safety discussion. Exactly. It's a, I got my Model S dinged. Oh, look, this isn't and working. it's expensive to repair. That's what it's about. It's not about safety. I think it's fascinating how Tesla has taken this from a marketing perspective and spun it into zero to 60 times and our safety ratings, which is not how insurance gets created. Although, do we expect them to do any other kind of behavior? Because in any category, their Teslas have been put against, whether it's range or power or any of this stuff. If somebody finds a chink in the armor... They're coming after you they, with some very sort of aggressive. statement. They always are, and it's always marketing so, spin. But I just, we're not surprised. I thought it was fascinating that they spun this in an area that I think it has nothing to do with, and that's the response. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my, my thinking is, okay, so why are people – I mean, I would think if you're the company and you're concerned. There's the other part of this of just don't be concerned about it. It is what it is. Sure. This sure. is the cost of ownership. I, I'm sorry. But if you're a company and you want to be concerned with why are our cars more to insure, then you have to dig to the bottom of why are there more claims and why do our cars cost so much to fix? That's not the response here, which I find really interesting. Yeah. And we're talking about zero to 60 times in an insurance discussion. <laughs> this, is, this is how we sell cars now. This is the, the big category. If it's the quickest, well, then that's the best mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was an interesting uh, – to me, it was like a marketing lesson. It was like, that's, you've taken the discussion and shifted the focus. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Like, distract. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> a very quick note to talk about one of our new sponsors, Autotempest.com. You and I are constantly looking for cars. Mm-hmm. The disease is Everybody struck. listening is constantly looking for their possible next new car. So if you enter your search once on autotempest.com, it searches all the top used car sites at once. So it's kind of an easy way to to make sure you're not going to miss out on yeah. your next car. Yeah, one stop, yeah. Exactly right. That's T-E-M-P-E-S-T. So like a storm, autotempest.com. All right, well, we've got Rob in Maine writing to us with a different kind of a story, and it's a debate. You'll know after mm-hmm. we read his story to you, and it's a rather short email. Yeah. But it starts out with the fact that his father has unfortunately recently passed away. Yeah, we're sorry. Rob, we are sorry for your loss because uh, he and his dad were the car guys in the family. They were really the enthusiasts. And as a matter of fact, the fun car his dad had just purchased is a black 2017 Porsche 911 Turbo S. Yeah. If you look at the hierarchy of 911s, that is the big boy. It is. This is top of the food chain. But unfortunately, also, he drove it very little during the prior year because of health reasons. And so it's only got 1,500 miles on it. Amazing. Now, Rob has five kids between ages 2 and 14. Rob is a busy, busy man. (laughs) Yes. He's also, fortunately, got a very understanding wife to his proclivities, to his car disease here. his car disease in a big, big way. I'm curious if any of those kids have got the disease yet, too. (laughs) I hope it rubs off. As a matter of fact, he and his wife went to Germany last year for a European delivery Mm -hmm. of his brand new BMW 235i. Mm -hmm. So... You were at BMW Vault, and you mm-hmm. went there That's and awesome. had a I great it. time. I love it's it. It's like the world's best BMW dealership. <laughs> <laughs> so they also have a Chevy Suburban, three-car garage, so Chevy Suburban, of course. If you've got five kids, you either have a panel van yeah. <laughs> or a moving truck or a Suburban, <laughs> as we've noted. This is the seven-seat car. You have to have one. That's definitely true. 
So yeah, he's up in Maine and he's got snow tires for the 235. It's a manual rear wheel drive, of course, mm-hmm. and he's managed just fine. Drives it year round, yeah. Here is where the debate comes in. He's going to be inheriting the Porsche. Mm-hmm. It's a black car, as I mentioned, PDK, and he's got a real soft target for it. I mean, this yeah, is a, I, who it, would? It's a car with history. It's a car that's got nostalgia now. Yes, yeah. and not only is it a nice car, it's you know, it's got his memories with his father. Absolutely, that's absolutely what's the yep. connection there to it. So it's a two hundred thousand dollar car. Mm-hmm. It's an expensive car. Very. And the conundrum that he's facing here, Rob is facing, is the fact that with kids, there's bikes in the garage and just life mm-hmm. happens and mm-hmm. scratches and balls are kicked yep. and all this stuff and ah do i keep it do i sell it yeah what happens what to the bmw all of this yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i thought about this a lot i think i have an answer here rob but this is an interesting conundrum because you have this car that now can be yours and mm-hmm. yeah. theoretically taxes of absorbing it is probably what it's going to cost you that's it's. I mean, that's yeah, kind of amazing. Not it, nothing, it, it, but not nothing, but but compared know. to the cost of the car. I mean, the first thing I want to say about Rob, and I'm I'm going to guess a few things here, Rob. But based on what you've told us, if you have five kids, your chances of going out and buying a two hundred thousand dollar nine eleven, it's just not even in the discussion point. Right. So right. here you have this. Not car. at this point in life, definitely. Exactly. Here you have this car that you can actually have in your life now that is way beyond anything you could go out and buy yourself. And on top of that, it has history and memories. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is a rare opportunity. Okay. To have and keep that car. You talk okay. about how you like your BMW. You have memories with that with your wife. I get it. I get it. That's cool. But the BMW 235i pales in comparison to the 911 Turbo S. And if you're driving that BMW year-round, well, the Turbo S is even all-wheel drive. Okay? Yeah. So yeah. I, I am, I'm very much going to say, and I'm going to explain it a little further, but I'm very much going to say the BMW goes and the 911 stays. There's history. There's nostalgia. I say keep this car. Have life happen to this car in honor of your father's life. Hmm. And the hmm. other thing I'm going to say, to because to, we talk about cars being too precious, and I see your concern here. Here's the thing I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. Pay whatever the taxes. Sell the BMW. Pay whatever the taxes are so you can have the 911. Then spend the two or three grand to get the entire car clear-coated. The, the, the clear the protection, protection film. film. The paint protection film. Get yeah. the whole car done. Yeah. People we've talked to that have had that done, three-ish grand to get that done, get the whole car done. Yeah. yeah. Right away. Immediately. So now what happens is okay. there may be the scratches or the dings or the, that kind of stuff. First off, let that car have a life as part of mm. your life. But you've also now defended it a little bit. So you've taken the edge off of those chances of problems. If if one of your kids walks by carrying something and it scratch, it doesn't scratch the paint. It scratches the film. The film you can get itself. that door huh, redone or whatever. I think do the entire car immediately. Keep it. Let it have life in your life. Hmm. I'm reminded of my dad's own experience when uh, my grandfather passed at age 102 <laughs> after having bought that Lexus at age 98 with a six-year extended warranty. Yes, he was a, he was a man of positive thinking. Man, yes. Mr. Optimism himself. So he had his last car was an 09 Buick Enclave, so kind of a SUV. Mm-hmm. It's the Acadia for Buicks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, decent car. That mm-hmm. was his car, and my dad ended up inheriting that. And hung on to it. And as a matter of fact, it's been passed to my sister now. She and her husband mm-hmm. and kids. Yeah. 
and they still drive it. It's got a lot of miles. It's been to Alaska and back. It's been across the country. It's been shipped yeah, yeah, yeah. everywhere. It's up there, and he's put a lot of money into it, keeping it up. But I think, you know, not that we need to just keep hanging on to possessions because your memories are, you know, most deep with your father and your relationship. When we can't pretend to know the relationship with your father. True, true. But as a reminder, I mean, do you have any photos with you and he with the car? And if, I mean, that's a special thing too. Mm. And I'm, I'm kind of inclined because think about this. Say you keep it. Say you just keep it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 10 years from now, how much is that car going to be worth? Still maybe a hundred grand. Possibly. Still quite a Possibly, bit of money yeah. should you need to sell it for any reason, like yeah. <clears throat> college education yeah. in, what, three years for your 14-year-old? <laughs> yeah, true. That's coming fast. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, reality is dawning quickly, <laughs> and it has a dollar sign behind it. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy's driving your college education. Um, well, uh, it, it's a rare opportunity, and I kind of feel like to, yeah, to support the memory of your dad, and do you think he would want you to keep it and just mm. enjoy it? Mm. and just That's good. That's good. I mean, I'm a little biased. Okay, I'm a lot biased because it is a Porsche, especially Turbo S. But yeah. I'd say that with any car and as, uh, you know, evaluated and, and uh, demonstrated by my dad keeping his dad's car, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's still in the family. It's okay. Yeah. But I, you know, to those of us who know why that car is in our family and now why my sister has it. Sure. And he just sure. gave it to my sister. He drove it for a while and then he just handed it down to her mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and it's just a part of us still, you know, he's still yeah. in our lives, in our hearts. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, you could just sell it and 200 grand will buy you a lot of nice cars and sure. Sure. A, a lot of college education for the kids. But yeah. I, I think for now, think about it. Don't, don't do any rash decisions yet. It's in your family now. Yeah. Don't, don't. I think there's a unique opportunity there. I think so, there, too. There's, there's, a, there's a memory of his dad that can yeah. live on in that car and the family. It's pretty cool to me. I'd be the I, same I'd way. I'd be very Just, curious. Yeah. Let us know, let us know where, what you decide on that, Rob. But I know it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot wrapped up in that story, so we'd be curious to hear more. Before the next car debate, I want to talk about Covercraft. Covercraft.com, they have everything. If you're protecting your car, you want to be certified Paul-owned. <laughs> you can park your car outside with a full car cover. Right. If you park your car for the day, I, I now am addicted to the sunshade. You can get sunshades there. Yeah. If you have a dog or kids like I do, you can actually defend against that. They have a whole canine section. So whatever you want to do to defend your car, Covercraft.com. If you use the code DEBATE, free shipping in the continental U.S., well, Father's Day is around the corner for 2017, and we've uh -huh. got Ryan in Manhattan writing in for his dad on behalf of his dad. <laughs> Hello, Ryan's dad. Yep. I hope you're listening to the podcast as well in your commute because he is commuting. And this is a man, everyone, <laughs> whose car history over the last 15 years consists entirely of BMW 5 Series leases. You found the car you like, <laughs> and you lease the BMW 5 Series. At least you're consistent. Well, yes. Well, I mean, this is my, my dad. He found, he stumbled across the, the Caprice Classic, <laughs> Caprice. and uh, he was right. operating at a different financial reality. We never leased cars. We bought very used cars. But he bought. He must have bought six over uh, You're because kidding me. I thought it was just two. No, 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 no. It, it, oh my I, I'm gosh. trying to actually think it through here because we had a couple that weren't around for very long, but I can I can specifically think of four for sure. You're kidding. 
<laughs> okay. And unbelievable. And he kept and, and and after I was like out of college and married, he kept like stumbling upon some guy twenty years older than him. And my father already <laughs> seems older than he is, but he'd stumble across somebody twenty years older than him that had one that had like a thousand miles. He'd be like, "I'm buying your car." So he just a, <laughs> a run a Caprice. So I, I understand you get into a rut. You have a car you like. You just think this works. And especially with leases, you're trading up every three years. I see how this mm-hmm. happens. But where we're headed here is, I think Ryan wants his dad to branch out. And yeah. life is changing a bit, so there's an opportunity here. So that's where this gets interesting. We can actually, Ryan's dad, get you out of the 5 Series. Nothing wrong with the 5 Series, but no, let's, no, no. let's do something else. No, no, no. He's got a list of requirements that his dad has given him. And, of course, Ryan, I get the idea in your email here that you're trying to push your dad into a car that you want rather than your dad, because you've suggested a Porsche Cayman and something smaller like an Audi S3 here. But I want to read the list here, the list of requirements, Mm -hmm. and then let everybody listening decide for themselves as to what it should be. Now, his dad is about to move from the suburbs into Manhattan. He's got about six months left on the current lease with the current 5 Series. So get this. So for the lease, his price range is fifty dollars to $60,000. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Healthy. It can be four doors. It could be two doors with decent space in the back. Could be manual. A good automatic is okay. And it's just got to be a nice place. Mm -hmm. So he's not necessarily commuting, but is going to be making weekly approximately 100-mile trips in New York area traffic. So this is a commute car. You're going to want a cocoon in a way. It's a nice place to be. Right? Yep. All right. So something else to note. His dad does not like this design trend appearance of instrument panels having an iPad glued to the dash, which seems to be a trend, and I agree. It's just about ubiquitous at this point, unfortunately. It's hard to get away from it, especially on brand new cars. And yes, the 5 Series is going to that, have you know already gone to that. There's some that integrate these screens better than others. True. Some make it very obvious. Teslas are huge and in your face and controls everything about the car. Mm Mm-hmm. Others have retractable screens. They're more integrated into the instrument panel. It just kind of depends on the car and, and the design. But yes, the ones that look stuck on that you could reach out and pick up off the Feels instrument panel. like you panel. could peel it off. It should plug in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So also, <laughs> he doesn't care about navigation, satellite radio, backup cameras. To that, I will say, Ryan, um, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. we introduced cordless phones. Remember cordless phones? Oh, yeah. You know, your home yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was, never, I don't need the cordless phone. And then we couldn't pry it out of our hands. <laughs> we couldn't get it away from it. And then eventually, you know, cell phones and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. couldn't pry that thing out of our hands. You remember the phones in the car that had a cord? <laughs> remember those? Oh they plugged into gosh. the box yeah. like on the center console and, oh, and you yeah. picked them up and you dialed oh, the back yeah. and you picked it up and you had a cord in your car. Remember that? <laughs> And now we're back to the cord because, you know, when you're charging your phone, you've got a three-foot cord plugged <laughs> into the wall. you got that plugged into so your dash. actually back yes, to the cord. Fair point. Anyway, so uh, I will say that he will come to appreciate that. And some cars do those things better than others. So also, he's interested in good mileage. And the last point here, we're not going to be able to convince him to go Japanese, despite mm-hmm. the Japanese building some excellent that's cars. That's out for him. Yep. Apparently that's out. Ryan, I came with one car. One Did car really? only. Okay. One car, thusly it shall be. I have two. Before you I do. have you give you one, I want to I go on a little tangent here because there's something mentioned in passing where, where the Porsche Cayman comes up. Here's the impression that I'm reading into this. There will still be the summer house in the suburbs, mm-hmm. and Ryan's hoping his dad will get something like 
a used Porsche Cayman for the fun car that he uses when he's not in Manhattan. Sure. That's sure. a totally separate tangent of this. And that's exciting. But And I think Ryan is kind of looking at that. He's kind of excited about that. But what we're really shopping for is this commuter. Yeah, yeah. And and so let's hope, Ryan and your dad, let's hope there is a fun car in your future. But I didn't head down that road at all. And I okay. have two okay. that I think solve the rest of the problem. But I'm I'm thinking about commuting in Manhattan, a nice place to be, mm-hmm. good yeah. gas mileage. My my headspace is entirely in that. Obviously, all the Japanese stuff is out, but but you have one. Do you want me to go with two, or you want to do sniper shot right now? I'm I'm curious with your two because they okay. might be a little bit divergent, but I'm I'm curious. So go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, okay. You're a BMW guy, Ryan's dad. So BMW i3. Really? The i3 with the extender I didn't has see that 180 coming. mile range. You can get around 100 miles on all electric. It's your commute car. You stay BMW. Mm. It's interesting. It's mm. a nice place to be inside. But it's it's your commuter. Why not have an i3 and commute in that? What's wrong with that? Not a thing. And, and you're still BMW, but, but we're not shopping for the big boat that needs to do Manhattan. We don't need to do that. We don't have to have. We just have a nice place to be. It stays in that lineup. And that led me to one other one as well. Okay. Okay. The other one I'm going to say, I stayed in this same vein, though. The Audi A3 Sportback e-tron. No kidding. It's the A3 wagon. You have space. The, the We all know that's cliche of the Audi nice interiors. Okay, but yes, it's, definitely. it's your Audi hybrid. You know, you could mm. you could go and you could find are they still still selling TDIs? Can you pry one away from a dealer yet? But 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 this is not even that now. Mm. You don't have to go diesel. I mean, let's be honest with the, with the hits that are happening to the diesel market, I'll be interested to see if diesel even survives in this country. But hybrid sure. and electric cars are going to survive. So here is your hybrid electric A3 wagon. You know the interior will be nice, but it's a commute car. Which means gas mileage would be fantastic. Sure. You sure. can plug it in. I'm thinking commute. Those are my two. They're nice, German, interesting interior, electric hybrids, I3, e-tron, done. Wildly different. And kudos for that. That's interesting. I, I just got on that rabbit trail and went, here are my cars. Wildly for sure. different. Hmm. I'm I'm ruminating on that one. I'm very intrigued. I I did go full on this is this is the place this is the interior you're going to want to be in okay great what is it it's not german Ooh, all right it's not american it's not japanese (laughs) (laughs) you know where i went Uh uh-huh okay it's the volvo s90 everyone all right yeah i am endlessly intrigued with this car especially after sitting in it Mm -hmm. have not driven it yet Interestingly, every trim level comes with an inline four. Yeah. The top end model is something like 315 horsepower. It's turboed, supercharged, everything they everything. can do. Everything. Yeah. Still gets great gas mileage. But if you're concerned about nice place to be. That's, that's a really good one. That's wherever a you're really at. really good one. Yeah. I mean, and as far as instrument panel design goes. This, to my eye, looks the least stuck on and tacked on. It looks integrated. It's clean. It's very large and clear. It's not as large as a Tesla, but the documentation in the screen, it's so well done. So much. It's almost like Volvo's turned into an interior company 
Oh yeah, and that by makes the way, a car. yeah. They're, but they've always thought that they're way. They're killing it on interiors. Their seats are amazing. The materials are good. I like that you went there because that's a fantastic alternative to the BMW and even the German world, but yet superb. That's excellent. I really do like that. Well, I, I just keep coming to this car. And yes, it's larger. It's larger. Okay. But even for the top-end model, the inscription starts at 55 Mm-hmm. So you can easily yeah. lease the most yeah. loaded, tricked-out S90 that's you could possibly that's, come that's up really with. That's really good. I like that. And feel like you're in a German car, but it's got different design sensibilities. And mm-hmm. that's what separates, for me, the Scandinavian design. We've talked about furniture and my mm-hmm. desire to go you know, to Scandinavian countries and look yeah. at furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by Danish furniture. And that sensibility is what separates this car away from the Germans. The knobs are jewelry. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Italian furniture, you know. If you turn a chair over and you think, "Why am I paying five thousand dollars for this chair?" <laughs> well, you turn it over and the welds are perfectly dressed, and you don't see a fastener, you don't see anything. So every surface doesn't matter where you sure. turn this chair; sure. it's been thought about. It hasn't been, "Oh, well, you're never going to see back here, so we'll just kind of end we'll it cover there." It up. Yeah, the yeah. same thinking applies, in my opinion. Interesting. All right. All right. I'm if you take with this if you take your Volvo to IKEA, do you open a wormhole? What happens? Hmm. I maybe they might even not let you in the parking lot. I don't know. Who knows? Or maybe it's Volvo's only. There's a special Volvo parking one. section. But it could no, be. But, but I do like that because you're right. We we've stepped away from a, a string of five series into something that is going to be a real event cocoon car. Yeah. That is in the. I think that's excellent. It's very different. I mean, you and I went very different places. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's excellent. All right. Well, we've got tons of questions here, man. <laughs> Seems to to continue to increase, Which and is awesome. for I love that, it. we I love thank it. you. Many, many questions on all three social media here: the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Where would you like to start? What uh, What's interesting to you here? Well, we just finished shooting a big comparison this weekend. In fact, we shot two pieces at once. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to discuss this without doing spoilers but we shot a, a a variations of the miata or actually a better way to put it is the miata alternatives this weekend right we shot the uh, the rf we finally got in that at, or i'll be honest i kind of got in that uh it was painful <laughs> at times but i got I in that. you a can opener every exactly time you needed to get exactly out. right we had the uh, the fiat 124 spider with us and we had the updated brand new Toyota 86. So we put those three together yeah. in a comparison we're excited about headed for television first and then youtube we also are going to do a piece straight to YouTube that is uh, the first-gen BRZ uh, versus the updated 86. So the, yes. those early yes. 86s versus this refresh. So we shot all of that. Gavin wrote in, Gavin who shot with us for a while. Yeah. He wrote in and he asked about the 124. I'm glad he, he did. specifically about the engine because the engine in that car is the Fiat 500 Abarth engine. It's that 1.4-liter turbo right. versus the 2-liter naturally aspirated in the Miatas. And he's just kind of saying, compare and contrast, is that kind of a cheater engine is what his question is. Yeah. No, I, I like that you uh, suggested this, Gavin. I uh, <laughs> Most of me wants to say you're going to have to wait for the episode to watch it because we really – we kind of both went on a different tear. I, I think you and I kind of both. Well, no went one's surprised to hear we didn't this. agree on this three car review, but I do <laughs> think we both. And this, I don't feel like is is a is a spoiler. I think we both were very intrigued by that engine in that chassis. Yes, and intrigued by the fact that the choice was done to put a different engine. I mean, mm-hmm. entirely different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, just the business decision alone is what intrigued the daylights out of me to. Okay, we're building this car. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. 
pretty much everything that is an MX-5. You know what we should do well, we're is... At it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's change the heart. And and I think, I feel like it's a, it makes so much sense for the way most people are going to buy that car and use it. If you're yeah. a person yeah. who is going to, to, to wind an engine out, use it on the track, use it on back roads all the time where you don't mind just, just you know, wringing the neck of the engine and touching redline all the time, then, okay, having the naturally aspirated thing is, is great, fine, no problem. I mean, that's why the FRS works. Yeah, But yeah. if you're hanging out in the mid-range of commute world, that's where the turbo is fun in anything. This is why the Fiesta ST is easier and more fun to commute in than the FRS mm -hmm. because you're using mm -hmm. it at 3,500 RPM where the turbo engine goes, I got all kinds of power, and the naturally aspirated goes, give me a minute. Yeah, yeah. Although I will say this, having all three of these cars generated endless discussions about the bits and pieces that we would take from each car. Oh, yeah. It, so we, we would say, we I want that for a buffet. This. Yeah. I want, you know, this smorgasbord here. I, you know, I'd like that part and that part. And if only I could get it in that car, I'd buy it right now. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much our entire shooting the whole, weekend. The whole discussion, we kept coming back to, <laughs> you know what I want out of this? Absolutely. All the time. <laughs> well, uh, there was a question here that intrigued me <laughs> on Facebook. Zacchaeus asked me, is Paul sophisticated enough to like Mozart? <laughs> Zacchaeus, sadly, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> I only like Chopin, Rachmaninoff, Ernst von Dunyani, and long, long the Chinese prodigy, and composers like John Williams and Hans Zimmer. <laughs> but Mozart but apparently Mozart... did not make the list. <laughs> no. that's, that's a ridiculous <laughs> listing right there. It really is, yes. I mean, Ernst von Dunyani, his name implies nobility. He was a Hungarian composer. Born in Bratislava, and uh, I'm I'm back to white I've, noise over um, here. I've got no idea I've where we are. I've played a number of his pieces, and they're quite brilliant. Quite, well, that's the thing. We we should also reveal the fact that Paul every now and then sits down at a piano, and five minutes later, you go, "I didn't know you could play." <laughs> I mean, it's, he just he throws it down every now and then, and it's just this little surprising thing he does. So when he says he's following these composers, he's actually sitting down at the piano and playing stuff. So it's not just like, <laughs> "Oh, listen to this." No, I'm going to go play that, which is a which is quite different reality. You know, interestingly, Billy Joel even dabbled with some classical stuff. It's not okay. very well known, but it's published as and looks as if you were buying, you know, classical sheet music. Oh, interesting. He's done some all kinds of little ditties and played around. The guy is amazing in terms yeah. of just a variety of talent. He's not just jazz piano. He can he can throw hmm. down. Definitely uh, yeah, a hero of mine as well. Yeah, what's sad is uh, all, most of my experience with Mozart and Beethoven and that kind of stuff is the uh, Baby Einstein series oh, that we right. went through with my son <laughs> because, of course, you're supposed to just uh, immerse them in that stuff for a while. So it's your whole house right. is this odd, you know, played on a xylophone Mozart for <laughs> six months to a year. It's very, it's a very, very weird clash of cultures. Yeah, or elevators in office buildings everywhere. That happens too. Yeah, exactly. True. Right. Right. All right. What else here? Uh, Aaron wrote in and asked a question. I was kind of intrigued. By. He said, Exocet Miata. Oh, yeah, or, I saw this question. Uh, the Factory 5818. Yeah. If he was going to build, he's, he's kind of asking what car to dream about for his dream build. And this is a fun one. I actually think that the, uh, the Factory 5 is the winner here. And, and I, say this, I say this because yeah. the Exocet is only, I mean, that car is scaffolding. Now I have no doubt it's crazy fun, <laughs> but it's it's it's. This me is an exercise in architecture. It's it's, Mi it's Miata scaffolding. Okay, it, it is your track car only. And the thing about I guess I get maybe this is the wrong way to approach it, but in my mind this is where I'm going, Aaron. If you were going to drive either of those cars to a Cars and Coffee, 
hmm. not just at the track. Okay. The Factory Five is the one you want to be in because it's it's just a cool little. What is that cool little car? Yeah. And you yeah. pull it up. You could just go drive that in a canyon for fun. You've got this cool looking exotic little car. The Exus set is looks like what it is. It looks like a home built garage car that is. Don't get me wrong. Wicked fast, capable. I'm not taking any of that away from it, but it kind of looks like your garage build. The Factory 5 is kind of like, what's this exotic I haven't heard of? What is that? It has a little bit more of that cachet about it. Is it the reason you're building? I don't know. But I kind of feel like you want to have a home-built sports car that can do track stuff but is also just kind of a dream car. And mm-hmm. so I go mm-hmm. Factory 5. I'm with you on the Factory 5 thing, especially that hard top. The, Agreed. The coupe shape. The one that looks like a variation on like the Lotus Elise kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like a cross between an Elise and a first gen Cayman. Yeah. A it little does. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a mixing of those two. It's and fair. then you look close and you think, what is that? To your point, you know, what what is this little car? And then you think you can do that with mm-hmm. the front of a Subaru and put it together. Really and, brilliant. And both of them. I mean, both these cars, the 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 donor cars, if you will, the Miata and the WRX, have endless tuning and changing oh, possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so it's, I feel like it's a wash there. Sure, sure. I, I'm, yeah, I'm with you, though, on the 818. Just, it, it just we looks get, more like a substantial car. We must get one of those on camera. I just, if, if you're out there with an 818, where, where are we flying to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on Instagram, EJ Bart asks us, why does the majority of the population leave the ugly plastic dealer license plate frames on their cars? He can't wait to pull them off. No kidding. I'm no with kidding. you. Yeah. Any advertising whatsoever, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the back of the car thinking, all right, and now we'll go ahead and knock $2,500 off the price of the car because you're paying me for free advertising Seriously. now. So Seriously, yeah. Let's make a deal here. Yeah. I, I'm i with you. I, I don't understand. Partly, I think it's just they don't pay attention to it and they don't, don't think care about enough. It. They don't think about to, it, yeah. You know, and I'm out there with, you know, Porsche. It will have a Porsche license plate frame. The end. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not a Porsche dealer. No, that's it's the not difference. a Porsche dealer. It's just OEM, mm-hmm. just Porsche. The logo. Yeah. That's it. That's different. That's 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 yeah. at least car branding. Yeah. Though I don't know that you need the Porsche license plate frame below the word Porsche on the back of the car. I am going to stick you for that. But I, I, I but I hear not. Point. I knew a guy in high school whose dad went into a Range Rover dealer and was buying like the loaded Range Rover. Okay, and this was a dealer, and they were everywhere in Houston. This was a dealer that every car that left their lot had the rear tire cover with their branding on it. Oh, and the right. only difference was what was the animal that was. Screen printed on the back, and his dad ground them into the earth and said, you will not give me one of those. You will find me a blank one, and I will leave with a blank one. And they and they pushed back so hard, and he was like, did. look, you need to understand, this is the deal-breaking point. He won, but he ground them into the earth. It was the only one I ever saw in town that had no branding on the tire because he was like, this is the place that I am That's drawing the awesome. line, which I thought was fascinating. I mean, other, I'd go for the Range Rover, just Range Rover, yeah. just... You know, yeah. advertising the car. That's fine. Yeah, but, but this was a dealer that did it on all oh, of them. He awesome. was like, "This, trust me, this is the line I will not cross. You want to sell me this car? This is what's happening. But anyway, so there's that. The other thing that I found that really annoyed me, we were getting my wife's Acadia serviced okay. at a local Chevy dealer. Okay. They would put them on. What? You're kidding me. You would leave with a license plate frame of the dealer. That happened once. <laughs> once and the next one time, time went back only. in. Telling the and they were very nice and they did great work and there was none of those issues. But we went through the list of everything and we got done and I said, one more thing. <laughs> Do not give me this car back with your license plate frames on it because I will take them off when I get home and throw them out. Yeah. So you were filling the landfill, don't even bother. 
And they didn't, which was nice. That's nice. I mean, this kind of relates to the should you have the dealer drill the front bumper for you. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. If you've bought a new car, you know what I'm talking about. I I mean, with the with the Cayman, I bought it used, but I'm using the standoff, the uh, the tow hook eye, because you can get license plate standoffs yeah, that, that, that just fit in the tow. Right they're they're really crazy. Eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, you can just about do that for any kind of car, and it saves you drilling through the front bumper. It depends on the car. Like yeah, the Jeep, I just kind of went all right, gritted my teeth and sure, did it. But sure, sure. You know, dealers just don't take any care. They'll just yeah. screw right into the urethane and yeah. screw it all up. And yeah, that bugs me too, almost as much as the uh, the license plate frames. Uh, Rich wrote in on Facebook and asked an interesting question. He said, "Look, I've owned sports cars my whole life, his whole adult life. He's had mm. Evos, Camaros, Caymans. He had a CTSV with 700 horsepower. He's had all kinds of stuff. And now he's in his 50s. And his comment is, if you've always owned sports cars." Are, are they ever looked at as a midlife crisis car? And I would say to you, Rich, no, absolutely not. It, not because now you're just the car guy. Right. You're just a Agreed. guy that owns fun cars, <laughs> and this is your current one, okay? Right, right. It's that thing where – and look, I'm the guy that – I don't care about this perception anyway. Go buy the fun car even if you've never had one. Obviously, I'm the guy that's going to preach that. But what happens is – you get through college and you have your series of fun cars and now you get married and you have kids and all of your cars are what car do I need? What car can mm-hmm, I afford? Mm-hmm. And then the midlife, the classic midlife crisis thing happens in the 40s or so and you go buy the exact counter card, everything you've ever owned and everybody goes, what's going on in his life? <laughs> That's the reason that it creates quote unquote red flags. But who cares? <laughs> who cares? But Rich, you're right. That is the way around it. You've just set yourself up in everybody's perception as that's a guy that likes cars. So whatever car you get, kudos. So a little bit opposite of our anonymous mystery car guy yes. from a few yes. podcasts Anonymous back. midlife crisis guy right. who I hope gets something wonderful and then keeps it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, Scott D. has asked us if we could provide a couple examples of market segments or specific cars we would like to see a manufacturer compete in. And his example here is a rear-wheel drive Honda sedan. I'm actually thinking something mid-engine from Honda that's affordable, not an NSX. Ooh, ooh. I mean, that's way up there at the sure, top end. Sure, sure, sure. How about a mid-engine Honda? Can you imagine what Honda's mm-hmm. take and their recipe would be for a mid-engine car for the rest of us to that's compete excellent. against an Elise or something in the a lower-priced Cayman-ish or Elise or well, you, something in you've there? Stumbled, that, that's great because you've stumbled in an interesting thought there. The, one of the things that's interesting and I think difficult about the new NSX, which is very cool, and I look forward to putting it on oh, camera, yeah, yeah. is that now it's operating at $150,000 with it's, a ton of competition. Untouchable for everybody. The the interesting yeah. thing about it originally was it was well less than a hundred grand, and so right. you're right. Where right. is the little brother to that that's running sixty to eighty? That I like that. That's a great one. That's I'm a just, great one. I'm thinking about this, and my initial thought, Scott, was something along the lines of you know, Toyota brings back the Halo car. Mm. I think we're gonna be pleased very soon here when they bring the super back if yeah, all the yeah. rumors are true. Yeah. So I kind of left that alone because I think that's coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for Honda, this doesn't exist. That mid-engine thinking in an affordable segment doesn't exist to compete against Cayman, Alpha 4C, Elise, somewhere in there. Can you imagine a Honda added to that lineup? That would be really and, cool. I, I know, admit that's really what cool. they yeah. could do with it and maybe turboed and who knows? I'm just I'm intrigued by this thought. Well, I hadn't really thought about this, but now it's kind of bouncing around in my brain. I'm going to say this. 
where's the Lotus competitor to the three series? The uh, the you know along alongside uh, the Alpha Julia. Okay. You know, what yeah. is the Lotus competitor? Which you know if it was the typical Lotus thinking, it would be almost more two series size. It would be a three series competitor, yeah. but be a little bit smaller, a yeah. little more agile. That would be an interesting rear wheel drive. <laughs> What's the Lotus competition to that market segment? That would be fascinating. Lotus does a one M. Or an M2, something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something, that, something that scale but four-door. Something that kind of scale but four-door would be really interesting. Almost like do the – it would almost be more like the size of the uh, Audi A3. Okay, sure, almost sure. that size. I but like a Lotus rear-wheel like drive sedan would be fascinating. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, this, this is fun to think about. And then the problem is, Scott, because then you go shopping immediately online because you think, <laughs> huh – that's the kind of car that I'm that I'm looking for that I would like. Who makes something like that? And then you're mm -hmm. shopping for that particular car. Well, and I've also said this before, and the Chevy Cruze is crying out for it. But Chevrolet, where is your hot hatch? Where is it? Yeah, where that's is it? A the, great the Cruze yeah. should have a yeah. hot hatch variant. Chevrolet has nothing in that segment at all. Come on, GM. You're bound to be able to sell them. You're bound to be able to. Well, as we've talked about before, Ford has a performance car at every price yep. category, all the way yep. to the four hundred thousand dollars supercar. Yep. You have twenty grand in your pocket or four hundred grand in your pocket. Ford has a car for you. Yes, for enthusiasts, yep. it's a hot car. It's not your normal run of the mill kind of thing. Totally agree. It's something awesome and mm -hmm. hot and fun, and it works, and you're amazed. Yeah, where's GM with all this mm -hmm. trucks? I guess. I guess. I guess. Uh, Devin wrote in on Facebook and said, what would be your first modification you would do for performance and styling of a car? And my answer is going to be universally always the same. Hmm. Wheels and tires. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Wheels and tires are the first thing. I've Early on in my auto career, I guess. <laughs> just your ownership history. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Ownership history. I looked at car kits for, you know, the Audis and you know, styling kits. And I'm just thinking the, the longer I live, the less I'm convinced I'm going to get my money back out of doing something like that. Oh, you're not going to. Yeah. It's gone. So why bye -bye. would I do that? Bye-bye. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Why would I go there? Do the, <laughs> do a modification that is performance that you can't see. And as you and I always talk about the best thing and the first thing you should do is a driver upgrade. Well, there's that as well. Yes, yes, yes. Driver then training wheels and would tires. be better, but yeah. Maybe lowering a car, maybe, but well, but I feel yeah. like you know the the three hundred ZX I had had aftermarket wheels that really made that oh, car work. Yeah. The FRS I have now has aftermarket wheels. I just feel like, and and it's not just go buy the craziest wheel you can because they can get crazy expensive. I think you actually have to look into okay, are these wheels heavier? You don't want to go that route. <laughs> but my my FRS <laughs> wheels, the the PFO one Inkies that I have, are lighter than the stock wheels and better looking. Win win. Yeah, the agreed. car looks better, and 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 it's amazing to see how much a car changes its style when you just change the wheels. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm totally wheels and tires. Well, I've got a few more questions here, but one of them is from Ben. He's writing to us on Facebook and says, "How often do you heel and toe into a stoplight or a corner? <laughs> is it just you know you're blipping the throttle and you're done, or is it every time you're coming to a stop? Mm -hmm. Three, two, one, down mm -hmm. sequentially through the gears." Mm -hmm. I think it comes to light more when you and I are on a shoot and we're mm. driving some fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, I do it incessantly. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the time. And well, you're slowing down for, a, hey, there's a pebble in the road. I should downshift mm -hmm. and I should heel and toe around that pebble. 
I'm looking for excuses. That's funny. Well, you know, driving the FRS every day, I would say, and actually the heel toe on that car is pretty much perfect, honestly, the positioning of it. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. you could argue, I suppose, maybe it's just the size of me and my foot, but it is absolutely perfect in that car. And so what I find is if I'm coming to a stop in traffic, I, I will, I'll heel toe into the bottom gear to get that to sink. I'm not going to stair step down through everybody. I just, I'm driving in traffic. I don't sure, care. Sure. Right. Right. But if I'm driving in any other scenario than that, the answer is always every <laughs> single shift. Ben, I do it with a PDK. I think, you know what? I'll just cruise along. No, I won't. Slotted in a manual, downshift, <laughs> and we're gone. Come on. What am I thinking? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And then I come into a corner, four, three, two, you know, hard on the brakes, and then, yeah. I... Well, I, I remember <laughs> I remember growing up, there was this guy that was like a uh, private taxi service that always took my family to the airport in England. I'm, okay. going, I'm going okay. way back here. All right. And he was a guy that drove a manual. And I remember my dad, when he taught me to drive manual, and he taught me to drive manual kind of marginally because there was no rev matching. <laughs> and so there was a lot of bouncy, shaky around. Now, I, I was able to not stall the car and learn to drive, but that's okay, kind of how he good. drives manual too. But I remember him telling me stories about how he could never figure out why that guy was so smooth. He was so smooth, now I realize, because he was constantly rev matching every gear shift. Very cool. So I, I just, you can make your driving experience more comfortable for you and a passenger driving a manual transmission car just because you know up or down true where does the engine need to be true. so you just slot yeah. it and it feels as smooth or sometimes smoother than an automatic shift yeah and i yeah. do drive that way just because i prefer it i like that hmm. all right a uh, few more here what else is on your list here uh well there are there are so many tonight but let me uh jump in here and say um Oh, I have to talk about Brandon's writing in on Instagram. Okay. This is a tough one, Brandon. What's the most effective way to convert your significant other from being scared and annoyed in the co ah. co-pilot seat <laughs> when you're taking curves or you're driving hard to where they're as equally entertained as you are? I have a counterintuitive answer. The answer is you have to get your significant other interested in driving at the far reaches of the ability of a car. That's the thing, because what happens here is, look, there's a there's an inherent trust thing that happens, yes, but the truth is most people aren't aware of how capable cars are. Once you yeah. become aware of how capable a car are and what a car can do, then somebody driving a car at the upper limits or somebody driving a car hard starts quits feeling to you like this person's being dangerous and more like, this car's fine. It can do that. One of the jokes that Paul and I have made before is there's been plenty of times when we've landed in L.A. and we hop in a press car and we're headed to meet somebody. And right. Paul is hooning his way through traffic. <laughs> Paul is driving through traffic with his L.A. demeanor on, and that is something that I guarantee you would make most passengers just ashen-faced. Okay? And I have sat in the passenger seat uh. texting head down texting, solving production problems while he does that, and never blinked. You've been downloading footage before onto your laptop. I, I, have, the same. I have pretty much been editing <laughs> while you do that. Now, the only reason I can do that is because I am fully aware, one, Paul's an excellent driver. Sounds like Rain Man. But Paul's a superb driver. I fully trust him as a driver. But secondarily, the sensations that I'm feeling don't concern me. 
I completely know that a car can do that. So it sounds counterintuitive, Brandon, but I would say get your significant other into an autocross or get them into a driver training so that they can go, I didn't know cars could do this. And you yeah. introduce that sensation. Yeah. It It's almost the same as saying you want to put your child or whoever onto the crazy roller coaster in your town. You don't start them there. You start to give them the sensations until <laughs> right, they can get right. in the crazy roller coaster and love it. You've got to do that here. Uh, well, I will say you're an excellent driver too. I mean, our trust level on shoots is very high, and it's got to be, and that's just developed over the years. We get cars very, very close to each other. Yes, yes, we do. And just, you know, when we're cruising through the canyon yesterday, when we mm-hmm. were returning the Mazda RF, and uh, we were just, you know... You knew where I was. I knew where you were, and we were just kind of doing yeah. this dance yeah, yeah. down the hill. It's like formation it cool. driving is what it is, yeah. and it's because yeah. you and I know each other. But yeah. we, we know each other, but we also know what the cars are capable of. We can put them into a corner mm-hmm. at a high speed and know it's going to stick, not, huh, wonder if this is going to work. No, that's going to be fine, you know, and that just takes having that sensation to have that comfort level. Right, right. Well, I want to briefly get a little bit philosophical here on Uh-oh. Ian's question on Facebook here. He asks us, what have you most learned about yourself through this passion for cars? Hmm. And how has it shaped your cultural worldview? I'm intrigued by this question, Ian. Very, very nicely done. There's a full podcast in that somewhere. It could be, as a matter of fact. It's, um, I'm going to start with Australia and learning more about, hmm. haven't been there yet, okay. but learning more about the muscle car enthusiasts that are there. And then, you know, of course, you and I watching all the other shows that, uh, you know, from Grand Tour to Top Gear and seeing car enthusiasts worldwide speak a common language. We're talking carburetors and headers and downshifting and all this stuff. And everything seems to melt away. Everything else, the politics. That's good. All the other junk just goes away. And it's just cars. And we can just be friends and hang out and talk cars and styling and car parts and wheels and you know, drag racing and all this stuff. And I think that's, it's a common bond. I don't know how many other things that's on good. the planet that's good can cross culturally bring people together. Mm. I mean, mm. you and I have had people write in from Pakistan. True. And hello True. to those of you listening there that are car enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might be, you know, into the seventies Cadillacs or whatever that is, Whatever, yeah, yeah. but they're looking at cars online and dreaming about car shows and, looking at cool yeah, stuff and yeah, enjoying yeah, yeah. the hot stuff, the exotics that we love to look at. And it, it it's a, a few and far between thing mm, that is a mm. subject that we can all agree on. To some and, degree, I agree with the and point, yeah. And peaceful about and just yeah. have fun doing. And cars is one of those things. There's a common language there. I like yeah. that. I like that, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that in design. And I talked about Ken Okiyama before and other designers. I mean... You know, what makes Italian styling and how do you make a French car and what is it about French and what is it about a British car that Mm. is essentially British and good designers being able to understand culture to be able to do something that represents Mm. this culture and, and keep it in tune. Otherwise, we could slap any badge on any car and call it done. Sure. Yeah. Hyundai's yeah. can wear BMW badges. <laughs> Hondas can wear Ferrari badges. Yeah, I see your point. Porsches can wear Kia badges. But I, I'm in just, your garage, that probably could work. Actually, it probably Porsches could work. Kia badges, yeah. I mm-hmm. just, yeah, I pulled that out. But the Porsche Soul and the Kia Cayman. Hey, 
That's my, my mind's here. a little warped, but I take your point. 818s could have a whatever badge on it, you know, Mercedes <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I'm, I'm continually intrigued by this. And, and, you know, you talk cars and you show pictures of cool cars to anybody anywhere on the planet. And if they're into the cars, you're off and running. You've got a new best friend. That is cool. That is cool. I feel like, you know, everybody culturally now is taking sides. We all have, you know, this is the group that I hate. Sure. You know? Sure. And I feel like that still exists in car culture. I, I, I dislike, you know, all Ford guys. I dislike oh, all stance people. That, that's possible. Yeah. yeah. But I also think, speaking on your point, I think it's easier to cross those lines in cars than just about anywhere else. You mean come together and find points yes. of agreement and yes. points of Versus religion approval. or politics or all of these yeah. things that we end up screaming at each other about. <laughs> I yeah. think cars, you know, look, I, I, I will fully admit it. I do not get stance culture. I don't get it. But that person yeah. that has stanced their car to the point that they can't get off a driveway at their core loves cars. Yeah. They're excited right. about their car. Right. And I, at my core, want a person driving to love their cars. I would rather bond with that stance guy that I don't get that car at all. Sure, but I'd rather sure. bond with that stance guy than the person that was driving a Camry this morning that treats it like an appliance and a car is a hassle. Mm -hmm. I have yeah. a commonality with the stance person, even though I don't get the styling. I think you can cross those lines easier in cars than anywhere else. I hadn't thought about going to this question. This is cool. I, I, yeah, I, I was thinking about it, and then, uh, yeah, with a little bit more thought, it, it occurred to me. And it's also something that nearly, nearly, I, I say that with a very large grain of salt, Cars are something something that everybody can relate to. Mm. Not everybody. I mean, there's still places on the planet where cars are not in, in use and don't need to be. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. most people on the planet can relate to cars in one way or the other, whether you like them or not. You don't sure. like them, but sure. you know what? I need to get from there to over there. I need a car. Yeah. I need to. It's a useful device. Whatever powertrain, whatever it is. And then, you know, we get geeked out and enthusiasts sure, and all that sure, stuff sure. you know how did you know did you have fun doing it you know yeah. all that kind of stuff well you, you mentioned that other point you, you that pings my brain to say something else and that is that cars are that thing that i can talk to anybody about now i, I realize for a lot of people i'm a car guy you know, i'm sure, the car guy they sure. know but people that don't know or care about cars i can i can have nothing else in common with them in the world okay mm -hmm. And, and look, I'd love to talk about film. I'd love to talk about story. I'd love to talk about all these other things. Yeah, and a lot of yeah. times I don't get into those conversations at all. But with somebody I have nothing else in common with, they can, I can still say, what car do you drive? And they can still say, you know what? My whatever is getting old and I need to replace my you name it. Fill in the blank here. I want a new Corolla. I can talk to them grudgingly about why another <laughs> right. Corolla might work. Okay. I don't want to. This conversation. Not on a five series lease. You're exactly, saying exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Five series. Into, that's exactly where we were going earlier. <laughs> right. So, so there is that conversation, but then I can meet somebody who loves cars and I can talk about that all evening as well. Yeah. So thankfully I have that go-to conversation at any party on the planet. We can talk for cars <laughs> for at least five minutes until it gets awkward. So that helps too. And then you head back to the buffet table and Try to strike up more conversation about something else. <laughs> uh, so the weather, sports. Hey, that sports team. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anything else on your list here to cover before we wrap things up? Uh, I don't know that I have any others that really jumped out to me, even though we could probably do another hour's worth of podcast just on questions. But that's a good group tonight. We could. We got to debate what car we think your son should 
ask you to buy next. I mean, he was pretty enthralled with that Mazda RF. He was. He was, he was. all over that, was he yeah. not? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was really intrigued by it. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, the, the crazy fun top of it, he was like, what is this? So, the, so as soon as I showed him how it works, it's got a really cool mechanism. As soon as I showed him how it works, he was like, can I hit the button? So get in the car, hit the button, sure. let's do it. You know, so I took him for for a really brief ride. We went one direction with the top up, dropped the top, went back with the top down. And he said to me, we, we were getting ready to go back. He was like, "Wait, we're just we're going to go back from right here. We're not going." I was like, "Buddy, I have to go drive. I have to go like drive and shoot this car." He wanted to go for like a couple hour drive. He was like, "I want to go for like a real drive." <laughs> we went for fifteen minutes, so he loved it. He loved oh, it. That was pretty you. cool. That's awesome. Well, maybe in a few weeks, uh, when Chance comes back on the podcast, he and I will debate what you buy next. Uh oh, we, we Uh-oh. might do that. I also have to sell the FRS first. There was a cool question tonight <laughs> yes. from Army Guy on Twitter. He asked if a fan bought the car, would I give them a how to drive the FRS and a Canyon lesson? And my answer to that is absolutely. I would <laughs> I do that. that. I would make that video. That is awesome. Granted, I have to have that person call first. But right. I would love I would love nothing more, not only just to sell the FRS to an enthusiast, but somebody that listens to the show. Man, that's a victory there. I'd love to get that car to somebody like that. That'd be awesome. Well, guys, thank you again for listening. Thank you for writing all these amazing questions, really thought-provoking, and hope you really love the podcast, too, because we sure love talking about it and talking cars. It's, it's a universal language. And give us your rating when you get the chance. We'd appreciate that, too. Yeah, please do. So, uh, yeah. Check out our videos online, uh, films as well. Do not forget that. And the pilgrimage trip, everydaydriver.com slash adventures. Go check that out and come with us. You are cordially invited. Definitely. Please come. And until next time, cheers.